jockeying. We had a lot of microphones going on that day, so we're trying to figure out exactly where they're going today. So thanks, Doug, for all the hard work. Uh, just a, a reminder again, the first thing on our announcements is don't forget daylight savings time, but I suppose if you did forget it, you wouldn't be here, or you were here an hour earlier and went home and back to bed again. So one of those things. So, um, But we do, again, thank you for this morning's worship. Just a reminder, if you have little, little ones, we do have a nursery available off to the right over here. Still looking for nursery helpers. Um, we may need to get some more helpers if you're able to serve that way. If that's a gift that you could share, contact Bobby Joe at the telephone number. I believe usually it's behind me, but it is 218-368-3514. Uh, Wednesdays, don't forget Touchpoint with Pastor Steve and Joyce um, at 9 a.m., November 8th, we have Show Your Love for God by Loving One Another. <coughs> Excuse me. Lots of things starting to ramp up on Wednesday nights as well. 6 p.m., we have Amplify Youth Ministries, uh, Kids Activities, and a Women's Bible Study at 6.30. We are still looking for someone to help with elementary kiddos on Wednesday nights. If you'd like to do that, if that's a gift that you would like to share with our family here, please contact Kathy Cootley at 218-586-2365. And check the website for further details and all of the other archived messages and services as well. Uh, we have just a couple of other, uh, other announcements as well. Um, youth group practice right after the fellowship meal after church today. So youth group, make sure you stick around if you can right after the meal. And also youth, we have a, on the 15th is bowling night. Still a little bit of logistics trying to figure out exactly where we're going for bowling night. But don't forget about that either. Bemidji Aglow meeting. Bemidji Aglow meeting Saturday, November 11th, 10 a.m. to noon at the Beltrami Electric Community Room. And it looks like Anna Atkinson will be sharing her testimony of her family's ministry to the First Nations with a motto, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Everyone is welcome to that event. So again, that is Saturday, November 11th. Moving on to offertory this morning, just a couple of verses have popped out in my devotions over the past week in my preparation in my own life, seeking wisdom from God, seeking wisdom on my, in my decision-making in day-to-day -day life. Real fir first of all, I remembered a verse as I was going through this last week, James 3.16. James 3.16. It says, for where there is envy and selfish ambition, there is disorder and every evil practice, which I think is interesting. Where there is envy and selfish ambition, there is every evil, not just one kind of evil practice, not just one. So it's, James is saying, by watching Jesus himself and listening to Jesus' words, that where there is envy and selfish ambition, it's the root of all evil practices, he says there. You jump over to Phil... Philippines, if you want to jump with that, jump over to that with me, that would be fantastic. Uh, we're going to go to Second Philippines, or uh, Philippines chapter 2, or, yep, chapter 2, excuse me. <clears throat> Verse 1. Philippians, excuse me, Philippines, that's my brain getting ahead of my mouth, or vice versa. <sighs> it happens. <laughs> On a daily basis with me, actually. Philippians chapter 2 on Christian humility. And I humbly actually will read this off. Um, if then there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, 
Make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look not to his own interests, but rather the interests of others. And as we look at offering this morning, as we look at sharing our gifts, as we look at what Paul was talking about here, the state, the state of our heart, it's what I've talked about a lot. What is Jesus, it's what he's concerned about. The state of your heart. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. Think of others before you. In a world right now where we hear so much about self-care, which is important, right? We need to make sure we take care of ourselves, but not at the sacrifice of their time with Jesus. Not at the sacrifice of our time in prayer and in the word. In a world where we get hit so many times on social media about how you need to take care of your number one, how you need to take care of yourself and yourself only so that you can be the most, no, you're not the most important thing in the world. He is, right? So as we continue to think about what we give, make sure that our hearts are correct, our hearts are right with God, that what we do here is out of humility, and out of compassion for others, and of compassion and love, as you're going to be sharing on Wednesday, Pastor Steve. That's so important. We do all things in love, in Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads. Father God, thank you again this morning. And as I attempt to get the names of the text correct, I know the most important thing is to step aside and let your word be spoken. The most important thing is to let your life be evident in mine. And Father, thank you for the time that I've been able to spend with you over the last few weeks, few months. But Father, thank you for what, all that you've given me and thank you for all that you've given us, Father. We ask that you bless this time in our offering, bless this time in the service, and that the gifts that we can give this morning are used for you and to further the word and your gospel and your wonderful, amazing name. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, everybody. So, yes, thank you, Lord. We just ask for you to speak through us, for everyone to be able to hear the revelation that you have for them today. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm -hmm. So, last week, we started going through Psalm 23, so if you weren't here last week, then Go back and listen to that message, but just a really quick recap. Um, we started talking about just the rest of God and him being here, him always being with us, and just the importance of that and just what that actually means in our lives and how that restores our soul, how that makes us whole. And so, yes, go listen to last week's message, but I'll just read through the beginning of Psalm 23 to kind of refresh us. Why don't we that. read the whole thing? Yeah. Why not? All right. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. 
Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Yeah, and just uh, a reminder, every time we see that capital L-O-R-D, I always like to remember, and I try to say it to myself as often as I can, um, that that is the proper name of the God we serve, the the one he uh, reveals to Moses, right? He says, I am Yahweh. This is my personal name. And that's important because that tells us what kind of God we serve. He's not some uh, distant God. I am, and sometimes we maybe treat him that way. I think sometimes when we use words like Lord, um, you know, the great one, you know, these are great names. We have all sorts of names for God, you know, the great one, the big one, the big guy upstairs, right? But that's sort of distancing language a little bit, I think. But when we use a personal name with someone, that says we're close. That says we are intimate friends. We are near, as near to each other as people can be, um, especially for a God to reveal his name to us. That's, that's a big deal. That's a really big deal. So I want to use it if he gave it to us. And so when he says Yahweh is my shepherd, I'll lack for nothing because of that. Um, we got through all the things that he's doing for us, right? As our shepherd, um, Uh, It shows us he's bringing us to grassy, beautiful places, waters of rest and refreshment. He's restoring our our inner life. Yeah, last week I talked about how that word soul is the word nefesh, which is more than just some vague idea about our inner being or something. It's the very core life within us, the thing that gives us passion, the thing that gives us motivation to exist in this world. Um, It is the very fire within us, right, that he is stirring up and bringing back something that maybe is lost, right? And he's bringing it, restoring it to us. Uh, and then where he's taking us, where is, it, where is he leading us? Where are we going when we're following this great one, this one that is so good? Um, he's fought, taking us to places where we're gonna know him even better, places of closeness. He calls that righteousness, right? The places where he wants to take us, right? The places that resemble him most. Um, and he's, why is he doing this? He tells us right there, for the purpose of serving his name, that good name, the very essence of himself is all those things. And he wants to show us by living it out, just living out his very nature in and through us. But now we move on, don't we? The next part of the verse, our favorite part, right? Um, and maybe if you have an older version, it says, oh, yay, yay, though I walk, right? Um, <laughs> right, we, we know that, yay, though I walk. Uh, that word yay is, is uh, yeah, Older, older word, right? Uh, but it means moreover. I like the word moreover or more so or in continuation of the past thought. So maybe sometimes we uh, like to say, you know, here I am in the grassy pastures, but I'm going to probably spend most of my life in the, in the valley of the shadow of death, right? So those are like separate ideas. But in this psalm, uh, from the perspective of Yahweh, I, I would believe, um, those grassy pastures, those places of rest and refreshment, those paths of righteousness we just heard about, um, the continuation of that, the extent of that, there are no difference in his eyes than this new place that we're going to, this valley of the shadow of death. 
And um, last week we had mentioned that we had listened to a message by Bill Vanderbush. And something that he said that was really interesting about the valley of shadow death is what you discover is that death is just a shadow. And I just thought that was so powerful because when we're walking through those difficult things, part of that revelation of his closeness with us is that death is just a shadow. It's not something that is even, can even overcome us or conquer us. It's just a shadow. And I think oftentimes, like Peter was saying, we kind of separate the first two ideas. Like, oh, we're in a pasture, we're, we're at rest with him, or <laughs> instead of end. Um, because what God does is when he is with us, we can be lying in the pasture while we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And I know especially in the midst of those difficult situations and circumstances, it seems like that's impossible. Like we can't be in that state of rest. But what he does is he he's not just like kind of by us or um, I think sometimes we think he's like on the sidelines, like cheering us on, which is great and everything. But he is walking through the trenches with us. He's crying with us. He's um, pleading with us. He's experiencing all of the emotions and everything that we're experiencing with us as a good father would. And so he's bringing us into himself and walking through that valley with us. And I think, um, especially with Jeshua's song, I was thinking of uh, a few years ago, Peter and I, we did this little backpacking trek. <laughs> and we, it was mostly valley hiking. And it was, what was it, almost 60 miles or so. Um, and so we were in the valleys and it was beautiful. The valleys are beautiful. Um, so I don't know if David had something specific in mind when he was talking about the valley of the shadow of death, but you're in the mountains. It's, it's a beautiful sight, even though I know it's a metaphor he's talking about. But when we were in the mountains, um, we were walking and walking, and sometimes it seemed like we were getting nowhere. <laughs> like, it was like you, you could kind of see, like, okay, the mountain is passing by, but it just felt like in the valley, it was like, just felt like it would never end. And towards the end of our trek, we climbed or hiked up a mountain, and we were able to see where we came from, and we were able to see from the higher perspective all the valleys that we had hiked through and, and where we had seen. And just from that perspective, that zoomed out perspective, we're like, wow, there's so much more to what there is than what we saw. And so I just think about that too, where like when we're in the midst of the valleys, it means that there's a mountain <laughs> right above us, that there's, there is a viewpoint, there is a place 
that the Lord is bringing us to in the midst of that walk that will help us to see from a perspective that we don't quite see right now. And that's okay. But in this moment, what we can see, what we can know is that he's with us and that he's bringing us to a place of greater heights and greater perspectives and levels. Yeah, it's like Naya saying, it's if you are in a valley, it's you are aware of the scale of the walls around you. You're aware that you can't see over it or beyond uh, these situations that we might find, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, find ourselves in. And I recognize that uh, probably many of us in this room or maybe people that we know in our lives uh, feel that as though they're in something that they would call a valley of shadow of death. And we don't want to belittle that, that experience. We know that that isn't something that's just small, small change. Uh, these are serious things, a shadow of death. Um, even if it is just a shadow, is something that frightens us. You know, we're when you're walking in a valley, you feel small. You know you're small. In reality, you are small and weak and insignificant. <laughs> uh, but that's not the whole truth of the matter, is it? Um, because what is most powerful in this, this image, um, even though he's surrounded by these great walls, he is small. He's in the shadow of a mountain of death. I think that's part of the metaphor here, isn't it? If you're in a valley, there's a mountain, and Part of that mountain is this looming thing that's above him. But he says, I will fear no evil, nothing. I will fear no evil at all because you are with me. So the thing he has his, his entire focus on <laughs> uh, it is not the, great, the big thing around him, but is the personal shepherd that is right next to him throughout the whole thing. God hasn't isn't up somewhere floating above, looking down at this valley. He's right there in the valley with him. And what's he doing? Well, we already learned. He's making us lie down in green pastures. He's bringing us to places of rest and refreshment and comfort. He's restoring the thing that we feel that we've lost because we're in this place. The very life within us is going to be actually bubbling up, not because of we've escaped, um, but because he is with us, and that is bigger than what is around us. Um, but I think it's also uh, a comfort. There's an extra comfort in here in, the, in knowing that um, he's always making us lie down in grease pastures. He's always refreshing our souls. But we are walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Amen. <laughs> It's, it's something that, that isn't infinite. It is a finite experience. It is a finite place in our existence, in our life. And it is something that ends. Um, and I think it ends pretty quickly in this poem. Um, this part of the poem, it's, it's just the center. It's the middle. Uh, it's, it feels like the biggest part sometimes. And the, and the poem definitely focuses on it by putting it in the center. But it surrounds it with the things that he is, right? The things that he's doing. Um... And so we get a nice, a big shift, right? We get something more. And I, and I love the end of this, of this poem. I love the end of this song. Um, and Linnea, when we were reading this, I, I guess I'd never noticed this before. I don't know if you've noticed this before. Um, the first part, it says, he makes me lie down, right? He's doing these things. He's doing these things. It's referring to him in the third person, right? Um, but the second part here, it says, your rod 
and your staff. They come for me. You prepare before me in the presence of my enemies a table. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. Um, suddenly it switches to second person language. It switches to direct address. He's talking directly to the shepherd. And so apparently, after walking through the valley of the shadow of death, he doesn't feel farther away from this shepherd. He doesn't feel farther away from the one who brings him to the places of goodness and refreshment. He feels all the closer for having gone through this place. He's drawn, he had to draw near, right? I'm in the valley of the shadow of death. I'm going to draw all the nearer. I'm not even going to talk to you as some distant God anymore. You are you. You are the Yahweh that I know. You are the one that is closer to me than my very life. Yeah, and so then if we continue here where he says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And I think a lot of us have probably had all kinds of different ideas, and I know there's scholars who try to see if there's uh, different meanings behind the two things, but did you want to talk about what, <laughs> like, the meaning of rod and sure. staff? Um, the word rod, right, it, it doesn't sound like he says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Um, that nothing about a rod sounds comforting, does it? I don't know. You tell me. Does it sound comforting? <laughs> No, no, not very, not very comforting. Uh, it, it's a weapon of some kind, right? It's, it's something that sounds dangerous. Um, and there, you know, there, there have been many readings of this I've heard. Maybe you've heard this one before, uh, this idea that uh, the rod is, represents here uh, God's maybe discipline, his punishment of us. Uh, I even heard it all, like a story once as like a teenager that uh, apparently... Uh, maybe shepherds, I'm, I'm no shepherd, you'd have to tell me. I, I, I haven't found any corroboration for this necessarily, um, but that they had, sometimes shepherds had to break the legs of their sheep um, to, I guess, teach them how to walk right or something. Um, that the pain is temporary, but it's good for them kind of idea. Uh, and um, if you've done research on that, you, you come up to me later and tell me if that's, if maybe if you're a shepherd in the room, if that's something that's, that we do, I don't know. Um, but we were, when we were listening to Bill Vanderbush, he said something that I, I just, I'd never thought about this way before. Um, and I, and it's, it's, I'd like to share it with you, you know, as an option, as something that I think is worth thinking about. Um, it's interesting that we read the rod and the staff that comfort us, and we assume that the rod is meant to be used on us. Why not you be used on the things that, all the things that attack us. Why not the wolves and the things that are coming after the sheep? Which would seem like the more likely use for a shepherd to have a rod in the first place. You're protecting. It's a symbol of protection. It's a symbol of aggression against any who would come against. That would come for me. If I knew that I had a strong shepherd who had a rod of strength, who had a rod of authority and power over me, over the things that would come against me, over the things, because in this metaphor, I am a sheep, and the sheep are not brave, they are not smart, they are not powerful creatures, they are, um, they are powerless, right? They are in the hands of the intelligent shepherd here, who is protecting them, watching over them, and the sheep feels at peace, because he knows that the shepherd is watching out for him. Remember, we were just going through the valley of the shadow of death. You're fearing no evil, well, now we know why we're not fearing any evil, we got to 
Shepherd's packing, right? <laughs> He's got a rod and a staff, right? And they're comforting me. Uh, that's a possible reading, I think. Uh, something else about the word rod is that there's also uh, associations between this word and the word scepter. Uh, the word scepter, right? Which would be something that's used by a king, not a shepherd, which I think is uh, another possible reading here. Uh, mostly because the rest of the image here we get is not, is no, we switch from shepherd language to king language. Notice before, he's, he's doing really shepherdy things, right? Uh, we have grassy pastures, we have watery resting places, right? Uh, paths of righteousness, right? These are, these sounds like a shepherd and a sheep. But what's he doing in the second part? He's preparing tables. He's anointing with oil. He's, rep he's presenting cups. Great goblets of overflowing abundance. These are images of kingliness, of kingly abundance, of kingly oversight. Um, which additionally, this is, uh, this, this suddenly fits really well. It's a psalm of who? Who is this written by again? Somebody? King David, who used to be a, a shepherd. Hey, that, that seems to fit, doesn't it? Uh, that's a, it's a very fitting translation for the life of David, right? From shepherd boy to king, right? And I think we're seeing that here. Uh, but he's seeing that represented on the God of the universe, right? One who's like a shepherd, but also like a king, right? In his authority, in his power, in his might. The shepherds there, I mean, they represent the lowest, the lower echelon of society. But here, they're elevated, right? The shepherd, he has a rod of authority of a king, but he also has a shepherd's staff. He's both things at the same time. And I think with that authority that God is displaying, if his authority comforts us, if him being a king and a shepherd comforts us, I'd like to take a moment a little bit to talk about God as the ultimate judge. I think oftentimes when we think of God as the judge, it's a very scary thing. And it can be, and in some ways it should be, but... I think I've just been um, just dwelling on this and meditating on this, and I just, the judgment is oftentimes, like Peter was saying for the rod, it's like the judgment for disease is healing. The judgment for sin was Jesus dying on the cross. The judgment for our um, our failure and misgivings is his abundance and his goodness and his restoration. And so sometimes we often think of judgment as the negative thing that's happening, but his verdict, his judgment is always good. And so when we are that sheep that he's taking care of, he is protecting us. He's, he's, um, his judgment is not, Jesus says that I don't come to condemn the world or to judge the world, but his judgment is towards those things and against those things that are coming at us and that are coming to destroy us. And so when we see him and we view God from that perspective of that good judgment, of him seeing the goodness, of him being the goodness, and using that, 
then we're, that's so comforting, so comforting. Because then anything that we're walking through or we're, um, that we're, like if we're experiencing sin or we're experiencing sickness or experiencing these things, we know that the good judge, his judgment is going to bring healing and restoration and refreshment to our souls. And so um, the other day I felt like the Lord was just, speaking this phrase to my heart of my perfect love is, or my love is what perfects you. Not perfectionism doesn't perfect you. Uh, Doing the right thing doesn't perfect you. Going to church on Sunday doesn't perfect you. My love is what perfects you. Approval of others isn't what perfects you. None of those things perfect you, but his love is what perfects us. And so when we see that, oh my goodness, that, that's just such, that can just be such a deep revelation in our hearts of knowing the goodness of God. And then it allows us to step into that place of receiving that kingship, of becoming both that shepherd and king ourselves. And then he's able to anoint us, and we'll, we can keep continuing through. So um, don't want to get too ahead of myself. But well, so. I mean, if you had a thought, don't stop. But. Well, I was just saying, like, he, he anoints us. He, he brings us to this place of kingship where we're able then to become the very restoration for people, become the green pastures for people, to become the um, presentness with people to reveal how with us God is. And that's essentially what Jesus did. Yeah, it's good stuff. Um, Yeah, these final lines here in in this part of of the poem, at least, where um, the things that he is doing, right, or he's addressing him directly. You are doing, you are doing these things. He's saying, and that's, it's got a very, a very certain tone about it, right? Uh, there's no wishy-washiness about, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Um, again, we have to, I have to refer to Bill, jo- or, uh, uh, Bill Vanderbush here. Uh, he said another thing. Uh, he, he has lots of wisdom. Go look him up. He's, he's, he's got a lot of great stuff. Um, but he said this, I, I just, I'd never thought about it this way before. Um, I'd always imagined that preparing a table in the presence of my enemies meant that I was eating alone, right? Um, that I was just sitting at a table and everybody else is in their chaos, right? Um, but setting a table anywhere is always invitational, isn't it? Um, it, it you set a table before your enemy um, isn't really usually how you treat your enemies, is it? Um, I, I guess I'd always, I'd always read this verse as, as just as me-centered, but I, I think it's meant to be viewed as, as outward, isn't it? Um, suddenly, um, we're in a place where we, even though we were going through valleys of shadows of death, we're not fearing evil, and we have a strong companion, right, beside us. So now, in the presence of our enemies, instead of being living in fear, we can live in a state of invitation. We can live in a state of, instead of shrinking back, Stepping forward, I guess, with not without a, not with a hand that's like a sword, 
right? Because we, we got the sword next to us. We don't have to defend ourselves. We don't have to be the, the strong, mighty hand because he is our judge. He is our justice, right? So instead, we spend our life with our hand extended in peace, in love, in the extension of abundance, giving, right? Where this is a picture of I am giving um, to the one, the people who hate you, apparently. Your enemies are the people who hate you, the people who mean harm to you, and you are extending what? Goodness, <laughs> grace. All the things that he was giving to you, now you're giving back, right? Um, so our head is anointed with oil. Once again, a kingly, uh, very kingly image there. And we're being anointed to do something. Though. You're always anointed to um, go out and do something. It's not just a, a nice little thing. It's, it's, a, it's a big deal. You're, you're completely covered in oil, which always represents his goodness, his presence, his uh, abundance, right? It's, it's very rich, the smell of oil. You, you'd never be able to get it off you, right, if you were a king. Um, and you're then, at the end, my cup runs over, right? So you're giving, you're giving to your enemies, but you are in a place of, now you have the some authority. You have a place where you are extending. You are, your cup is running over, and when your cup is running over, it means that others are benefiting around you, right? Um, it is extending beyond yourself. This thing that you are doing with God is no longer just a, a picture of you alone in a valley with a shepherd. It's you in the presence of a host of all those around you, all the people, enemies and friends alike, are now being part of what God is doing through you. And I just want to add to that, too. When we began the psalm and we talked about the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. I talked a little bit about just the abundance of God and how um, we start, we begin the foundation of having that abundance, of knowing that abundance, of knowing how much we actually have in him, that we lack nothing. And so then you continue on in the poem and then it's after through walking through the valley, the shadow of death, knowing the rod and his staff that comfort him, having the table before us in the presence of our enemies, and then anointing and that cup overflows. So it's oftentimes like that middle of the, the passage again, when we walk through a valley, when we walk through hard times, I often feel like empty or drained and we often think that we lost something we lost something there but what he's coming back around to say is not only was nothing truly lost but the cup overflows not only do you lack nothing or have just enough but there's an over the brim overfilling amount of his goodness and his glory on us. And so just kind of bringing that out again, I know I talk a lot about the abundance of God, but I think it's just so important because like I said last week, oftentimes when we sin or when we um, focus on our lack, then we're believing lies that God isn't enough, that he isn't big enough, that he doesn't have enough. And so I think it's so important for us to just get that revelation so that we can actually walk in those paths of righteousness and actually walk in that kingship of abundance because that's the only way um, we can do that is if we receive his abundance instead of our lack. 
So we come to the end, and it's a good end to the poem, right? Uh, surely, again, this is strong language. This, there's no room for doubt here. There's no, uh, well, um, unless this happens, well, then none of this goes right, right? Or, or well, then, you know, it's, this is a fuzzy truth. It's, no, this is surely goodness and loving kindness and mercy shall pursue me. I like that word, pursue. Um, some say follow. Follow kind of sounds more meandery to me. Um, the word here, I think, is a little stronger in the Hebrew. It's closer to pursue. <laughs> um, so then, again, this is this closer than your own skin type language. You know, the Lord is with me. He's going through it with me. His staff and his, his rod, they, they're comforting me. They're standing over me. He's with me, setting the table. You know, so he's this stuff is pursuing me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of Yahweh for all the length of my days. Um, I think the major thing uh, I want us to leave here with uh, when I was thinking through all these things is, uh, again, this is all one thing, right? Where are we dwelling all the day, all the length of our days, every day of our life, every moment? Where are we, is it where are we living, right? Where are we deriving the very substance of our being? Um, can we go through the valley of the shadow of death and dwell in the house of Yahweh forever at the same time. I, I, I know I used to read this poem and thinking like, okay, life is like going through the valley of the shadow of death, and then when I'm dead, then I'll go dwell in the house of the Lord forever, right? That's, this, that's eternity. That's later, right? Um, I don't think that's why Jesus came here. If, if Jesus had wanted this idea of his dwelling place, his, his life, his, his home with us to be this idea of later, um, he would he, he'd just send a message to the prophets, right? He says, well, when you, get to, when you get to the afterlife place, that's when you'll meet God, right? That's when you'll know goodness. Um, life sucks, heaven's great, right? That would be the message of the Bible. I don't think that's what Jesus' presence here on earth, um, the fact that he was Messiah, God with us, Right? When he prayed, he said, um, "Make let it be uh, as on earth, as in heaven. Let it be on earth." He prayed. Right. Um, his mission was to show us that heaven and earth are meeting. That the valley, the valley of the shadow of death, is a place where he can be. And when he's there with us, he's erecting the temple of the holy God itself there in the midst of darkness, in the midst of death. In the presence of our enemies, he's preparing tables, right? He's anointing our heads. We're becoming kings even as we're just still sheep. You know, we're at the whims of wolves and predators and thieves, and we seem so helpless and small, and yet he's still anointing our heads. Our cups are running over. We're becoming something bigger and greater than we ever could have been alone, right? And that's, that's now language. That's here language. That's him with us always language. So... How? <laughs> How does all of this happen? And I think for me, I am one that tries to figure out, like, okay, so how can I go through this the right way? How can I experience this situation and to the fullest capacity of the best version of how God wants it, wants it for me? 
And I think, like, it's not about that. It's not about trying to figure it out. It's not about, again, that perfectionism. It's that simple truth that we shared. I am here. God is with us. And discovering, again, he's not with us over there or with us over there, but he is in us, with us, surrounding us. And he, his goodness is just going to pursue after us. And I think we don't always realize we talk about following Christ or following what he wants for us. And that is so good. And that there's plenty of scriptures talking about seeking him and following him. But we also need to discover he's following us. He's pursuing us. He's chasing us down. That's what Jesus did when he came heaven to earth. My kingdom done, my will be done on heaven or on earth as it is in heaven. And that is his pursuit of us. And what we need to do in partnership with that is open up our hearts to the awareness of the presence of God, to partner with that awareness, like David did, to open up his hand and walk through with the Lord, to receive that anointing, to open our hearts to him. And it's as simple as in every moment that you're experiencing something outside of God's will, outside of um, that kingship or that shepherding, you, he's here, he's with me. You receive that revelation of his love perfecting you, of him being present. And that's really what's going to bring heaven to earth. We are those pockets of heaven here on earth that get to release, that get to invite our enemies to the table, that get to become those kings that rule in this land. We get to bring people into the presence of God just by us being aware of his presence, of knowing his truth. I, uh, when we were singing, there was a line, I think, in one of Jeshua, or Jeshua's songs um, where it was saying, you're good, um, I'm trying to think of it now, like your goodness, maybe just your goodness is following after me, or you're good, and talking about that goodness, but I felt like the Lord was saying, my goodness is in you, too. You know, it's not, it's not just pursuing after you. My goodness is in you and can work through you. And so, yeah, do you want to end us in prayer? Jesus, you are here. I know that here in this room is also with us worry. Uh, maybe with us is fear. Maybe with us is all the things that bind us and, and bear down upon us. 
uh, the weights of all the world, the weariness. Naya talked last week about the, just a sense of, of a hanging weariness. And maybe that seems like it's more with us than anything else. Holy Spirit, I pray just your wind of relief in this room, in this community, in this country, Jesus, in this world. We just say, Jesus, yes, your spirit is moving through and is removing the binds, is removing all the things that will make us weary you are here. Let your presence be more real to us than anything. Open our eyes not to the walls of a shadow of death. It is nothing to the light of the glory of God around us. Your holiness is pouring down upon us. Your cup is flowing through and out and from us. You are making us more than sheep. You are making us more than something small. You are making us something that is like you, Jesus. Help us to see ourselves in you. Help us to see you every time we look in that mirror, every time we awake, every time we breathe, we are reminded your life is here, your life is here, and nothing can stand against that life because you are here, Jesus. Let us be convinced. Let us be shaking with such intensity of your glory is now, it is here. Be free, people, be free in the name of Jesus Christ. Weariness be gone, darkness be gone, hopelessness be gone in the name of Jesus Christ, who is now, who is real, who is always. In your name we pray and we thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity to know every day that you are here. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So, so good, Peter and Anaya. So good. And before we go to lunch, and there is a lunch prepared for us today, I have some instruction, I believe, from the Lord for us. Um, it says in, well, the city where David was king is not at peace right now. Psalm 122.6, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love thee. It's, that city is going through the valley of the shadow of death right now. Before we leave today, uh, I believe I'm supposed to ask. I, I keep getting Adam and Vicky, so I'll just ask you both to come up here. Uh, but also, uh, I want your focus on the flags over there. There's, there's not a way to put more light on those. Is there, Doug? If there is, you can go ahead and do that. But I like the way the flags are over there. See at the center is the cross on the Christian flag, and then we have the United States and Israel. And we as a church family, we stand with Israel. Did you hear what I said? We just declare that here today. We stand with Israel, with those people, and with the Jewish people. A lot of things we see going on are very demonic. It's in the spirit realm, demonic. 
because of that, prayer has great effect. Welcome back, by the way. Welcome back. And um, so what I'd like to ask you to do is stand. And this is the other thing I got for direction. Just in, I know it may be a little bit hard, but if you could form just little circles around, find somebody, a few, somebody else and just get in a little circle. Some of the closer people to you just form and you could hold, you could hold hands if you want or just stand in a circle. And uh, up here in the day, I'm going to ask you to stay up here. And I'm going to ask, do you have the mics? Honestly, I kept getting both of you, so I don't know if that means you're both for prayer, for leading in prayer here. So you can be praying quietly or silently, you know, in your circles, maybe even in tongues, in the spirit, you can be praying quietly, but we're going to have Adam and Vicki lead us for prayer as the Lord leads you, and it would be for Israel and the United States and whatever else the Lord has there too, but we need to pray together. So Thank you, Father. let's join our hands. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Lord, we do lift up. We do lift up the city of Jerusalem and the nation of Israel, Lord God, before your throne. Lord, according to your word, Lord, we do pray for the shalom, for the well-being of Israel and your people, Lord God, the Jewish people, Lord. We bring them before your throne, Lord God. Father, in the name of Jesus, we stand in the gap. Father God, we thank you, Lord God. Father, we ask, Lord, that your kingdom purposes, Lord God, your kingdom purposes, Lord, above what any nation of the world, Lord, might say or think, Lord, we ask for your kingdom purposes to be accomplished in the name of Jesus. Lord, we ask for your protection. To, to surround, Lord God, those that are in danger's path right now, Lord God. We ask, Lord Jesus, for those on the ground, Lord God, in Jesus' name, that are in danger. Lord, we ask for your protection to surround them, Lord God. We ask for your angels, your big sentinel guardian angels, Lord, to surround your people, Lord God. Father, we ask for great wisdom, Lord, in this, um, in this battle that we know is um, something that the enemy, the enemy of our souls, the um, Lord, is, is trying to bring destruction, Lord God. We ask in the name of Jesus, Lord, for, um, yeah, for your angels to do battle on behalf of your people, Lord God. We ask, Lord, Father, we, we know that that war is bad, that both sides, Lord, you don't want the loss of people's lives, Lord. So we pray, Lord God, for everyone, Lord, Father, in this situation, Lord God, that your protection, Lord, that we plead the blood of Jesus. Lord, we ask, Lord, that you protect innocent lives on both sides of this battle, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Protect innocent lives, Lord God. We ask, Father, that you would break the arm of the wicked and the evil man, according to what you said in Psalm 1510 or 1015. Lord, that you would break the arm of the wicked and the evil man. 
Lord, that you would hold them accountable, Lord, that those that are intending to injure and to harm, Father, in the name of Jesus, that though they would be stopped, Lord, that you would break the arm of those that have wicked intentions, Lord, and that, Father, that truth in this whole situation would be um, made known, Lord God, where the enemy has like tried to deceive people, even about what's happening, Lord God, that that veil would be pulled back, Lord God, and that the light of the gospel, Father God, would, um, would come to both sides, Father, to your Jewish people, and also to those that um, don't even realize what they are engaging again in against your people, Lord God. We just ask for your mercy and your truth to be um, to come, Lord Father, for Lord for innocent lives, Lord God, that you would spare them, that they could come into your kingdom, Lord, and experience your love, Father, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord, the only reason we have anywhere to stand is that we know your word is true. So we stand on your word, Lord. And we know, Lord, I refuse to, I refuse to uh, pray about this in terms of politics because uh, this is not politics. This is uh, a war in the heavenlies. This is the enemy of God doing what the enemy of God always does, kill, steal, and destroy. And... Um, and we call that, we call that out. The one who he is attempting to, um, the enemy of God, the enemy of God's creation, um, is not able to overcome what Jesus has done. So we stand in that. Jesus is the one who said, I come that they may have life and life abundant. So we stand together in Jesus' name in rebuking the devourer in standing firm and saying, stop, end. The life of Jesus is what we declare over this situation. Thank you, Lord. We ask for your life to come forth in this. We thank you, Lord, for the... Um, the heritage of blessing that you raised up uh, through Abraham. And you said, I will bless you and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. And so we thank you for that promise and we declare that promise is still being declared here and now. And we ask Lord for the blessing to come forth. In Jesus name, amen. amen. And everyone in agreement said, I don't know if I read the scripture or not, but this is first, this is Psalm 122.6. It says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They, and there's a promise, they shall prosper that love thee. So, good, we did, that's right. That's what we were supposed to do. Thanks again, Peter and Linnea. That word was just great. Good food, good for this hour. A great word for this hour for all of us, I believe. So, Father, we pray over the meal. We thank you for the those that have prepared it. And 
Lord, the fellowship as we go forth. In Jesus' name, amen. If anyone would like prayer, please be free to come forward and we'll pray. So. Falling down in worship to sing the song.